Hey, B. Mm-hmm. Can I ask you a question? Always. What's the one thing when we travel that we always make sure we find? Oh, coffee. You know, bad coffee makes my brain angry. And we've been a lot of places. We've had a lot of coffee. But when we're home, there's only one place that we get coffee from. Yeah. Hacienda Real in Costa Rica. We found this place when we were in Costa Rica a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. And it's a micro roastery using only Costa Rican beans. Their blend is a mix of Arabica and Peaberry. And if you don't know about Peaberry, you need to find out about it because mm. it is amazing. It takes all the bitterness out. All the bitterness out. And we place orders and it's shipped directly to our door. You can get light, medium, or dark roast. You can get ground. You can get whole bean. And it is roasted to order. So there is a date stamped on your coffee so you know when it was roasted and bagged. It's good for a year after you order it. And it is the best coffee that we have ever had. So click the link in our show notes or go to goldenbean.net and use the offer code COFCHR20 for 10% off your order. Hacienda Real. Keep your brain happy. Hey, Dante. Hey, B. Looking pretty smart in your undies. Thanks. I've been doing my deads. <laughs> oh, I can see that. But it's not just what's in them. It's what's on them. But yeah, I got on my smart ass undies. They're not just super comfy. They've got cheeky motivations on them that keep me in the right state of mind. Oh yeah, like we could all use a little brain lift these days, am I right? They're also lovingly made from sustainable, low impact materials. So we can love the planet and cover our asses all at the same time. Motivate your ass with smart ass undies. Click the link in the show notes or on the things we love page on our website. And remember to enter the discount code CHEATINGONFEAR10 for 10% off your order. Smartass undies. Cheeky and comfy. Hey everyone, this is Dante. And I'm Beatrice. And this is Cheating on Fear. Oh my god. Yeah. Welcome back. Oh my god, it's been too long. Yeah, I mean, little little updates on stuff. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you Yeah, I'm curious about these updates uh, as well. What's going on? Okay, so What's the... going on, Dante? Well, the last time the last time B and I recorded was back in November. <laughs> and then We you... have been we've been slipping. You got sick. Oh, yeah, that's you, right. You were sick for weeks. Yes. And then it was Christmas. Right. And then it was the new year. Right. And now we're recording. <laughs> that's right. Oh, you know what? Yeah. Okay. I don't feel as bad now because it's it was just insane. Like, and I've, I've talked to other people who have, been, have complained about the same thing, like being sick for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks mm-hmm. and just can't shake it. Mm-hmm. So my condolences to everybody out there that's battling this brutal cold and flu season. Yeah, like Like, whether it was RSV or the Kraken or another another variant of COVID. I I don't know what it was. Listen, I don't want to gross anybody out, but I had this nasty adenovirus that came with pink eye. Yeah. And I haven't had pink eye since I was a kid. (laughs) But it, it, and then I sent you that Family Guy clip. Oh yeah! Oh my gosh! Yeah, you should put it in. It's just 
Oh, it's gross. It wasn't that kind of pink eye. It no. wasn't like from fecal, wasn't fecal bacteria in your eye, but yeah. Yep. So it was a rough, it was a rough time. And then yeah, Christmas creeps up on you and then mm. it's all about the holidays and, and shit's busy. You know, yeah, I, been, I remember thinking, not that, Hey, listen, not that I'm wishing for lockdowns again, but we were able to record reliably every week. We could, bang out, we could bang on. out episodes, a couple episodes a week, and and release weekly. Like it was. Yeah, like we we would we would like batch record and then just you know we had a lot to be angry about. Then. Yeah, and and I mean I don't want anybody to think that like our new release schedule is once every two months. Like Mm-mm. that's not that's not the plan. But that's the plan is to get back to a more regular yeah, release schedule. To go back to our biweekly release schedule in an ideal world. Month, I'm sorry, I monthly, never, at the, monthly I, at the worst. I never agreed to that. <laughs> I never agreed to bi-weekly, but okay. So what's brought us What's brought us out of the woodwork? So I resisted this for a while because I was like, Same. Ah, I didn't want to jump on another bandwagon. Yes, you do. Well, you love bandwagons. And taking, mm, taking a break from your Facebook listicle. Yeah, all that garbage. Addiction. Yeah. <laughs> Full disclosure. I mean, I'm still doing it. Dante is addicted to ridiculously leading nowhere listicles on facebook i'm not addicted i'm you very are. susceptible <laughs> to a clickbait listicle showing up in my newsfeed. your phd is crying right now yeah. just like wow. what the fuck bro <laughs> <laughs> It's it's just really funny the ones that pick you. Yeah, like they pick you. Oh yeah. And once you've clicked on one, it's like this guy likes listicles. It's like another adenovirus. It just makes its way through everything. So you didn't want to jump on another bandwagon. Yeah, you did. But we heard a lot about a particular show, especially as the second season was finishing. Mm -hmm. People were going wild. Mm -hmm. What What was that show? The White Lotus. White Lotus. HBO show here on Canada. We get it on Crave. We get it on Crave. And we decided we were going to jump into it. Uh-huh. And feedback that you had gotten was that, you know, don't even bother with the first season. Just go straight into the second season. Right. And that was bad advice. It was horrible advice. It was horrible advice. Because if we had watched the second season and went, oh my God, we love White Lotus. Let's go back and watch the first season. Yeah. There's, okay, guys, there's, there's going to be some spoilers in, yeah, in this. So, yeah. Okay. They, season two is finale has aired weeks ago so you've been warned <laughs> you know it's funny because when we did the good luck to you leo grand mm-hmm. episode mm-hmm. i talked to mo- like i heard from so many people that big fat listened to the episode and then they were like that sounds like a fun movie i'm gonna watch that and then they and they still love the movie but that's different when you're talking about a show that's premise is based on a murder that is true no that 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 is true that is mysterious and you're trying to figure out yeah 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 don't don't spoil it for yourself like watch this first and then or, sorry watch the show first and see yeah what you think so but, pause this come back once you <laughs> it's not it's not that long it's 13 episodes between the two seasons Right, yeah. The first season's only six. Six episodes. Yeah, second season's okay. seven. They're like an hour-ish, sometimes yeah. a little bit longer than an hour, but you can... Super energy. You, you can burn can through that, that pretty yeah, quickly. You can, yeah, you can handle it's that. It's winter. Yeah. 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 Don't yeah. go outside. Yeah, forget it. Take some vitamin D supplements and, <laughs> and binge it. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, a, a couple of people had said, oh yeah, the first season's kind of boring. We're not going to do a, we're not going to do a, you know, play-by-play treatment of the seasons. They're just, we're, we'll just say a couple of things about the first season. Yep. Not so much spoiler. And then there were a lot of themes that jumped out in the second season just because... There were parallels between the first and second season. In there some were, archetypes but, but, and... but this was more this was more about 
some of our milieu, right. if you will. So season one of The White Lotus took place in Hawaii, filmed at the Four Seasons in Maui. And it was filmed during the height of COVID. Right. So there is a very big difference between the first and second season in that the first season takes place entirely in in and on the resort. They don't leave the resort. They don't go anywhere. They were like a bubble, a giant production oh. bubble. And it was a production bubble. That's exactly how it was. And that was the thing I noticed the most when we went to the second season is that they very clearly are not staying just in this yeah. in this little hotel. Yeah. There are well I guess when we talk about the second season well yeah so so just a couple of just a couple of standouts from the first season Mm -hmm. there is there are some really really interesting characters and their arcs are kind of just like wow and and I will say that as a little teaser for for you to get into this there is the most dramatic dizzying spectacular spiral Armand into the ground, bro. The the hotel manager is this Australian guy, Armand. Who I d- I didn't know we were gonna like go ahead and tell the story. Well, no, but but but, oh, okay. he, but he he was in Sex in the City. He was he was actually yeah. I recognized him right away. Right away. I can't remember what season it was, but he was Carrie's new gay best friend. Right. And Stanford was super jealous, and it was it was when she was with Aiden. Right. Because we he kind of blocked out he, the Aiden season. He invited her out and. She realized, like, this guy's kind of a dick, and he, mm-hmm. he was a dick mm-hmm. in the in the show, and he's the manager of the White Lotus in mm-hmm. Hawaii in this one. He's and, got a Magnum PI mustache, and you, I mean, you were like, he's a handsome dude. He's a handsome man. Yeah, he is. Yeah, he's, he's a handsome. He's man. trim and fit and yeah. personable, and a, a little bit, a little bit stressed out though. He's a little stressy, uh-huh. but inappropriate little, at times. Little, little mic- not a little. Well, at the beginning, anyways. He's pretty inappropriate yeah. at the whole time. But but it's it's definitely worth watching. There are two teenage girls in the first season. Look out for the, the girls who read the books. They are just, <laughs> they are the most terrifying characters. You know, teenage girls are terrifying enough. But these two in particular are just something else. It's and they're really... reading like high level mm-hmm. literature. Yeah, so, so, for fun. so you can ima- you can imagine how that's going to go. But yep. I found with both seasons of this show the anxiety. I f- I was I felt like I was on edge all the time, right? Because they just they did a really really good job of not showing too much of where things were going. I felt especially with the second season. Yeah, the whole season I was like, I feel like I'm waiting for something to happen. Yeah, and they just they bring you closer and closer and closer, and then. So it's really, really well done. Like it, the 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 story arc is like whoever's writing this. It, it seems like the hallmark of the show is you start a season and you know there is murder. Yes. And then you spend the whole rest of the season getting back. It's that classic kind of narrative trope of backwards. You, yeah, you start. You have a present day. You start in the past and you work your way back to that present mm-hmm. day, right? And that's basically what happens on, on, in both of those seasons, right? Right. But I felt like in the first season. They spent a lot more time setting up potential motives. Yes. It was like every episode you could see it, characters develop and be like, okay, this this person's going to snap and kill. Yeah. <laughs> because you see you see at the beginning, you see at the beginning of the first season, a coffin, like a pine box being loaded into an airplane. Mm-hmm. And you see one character right. 
that you find you realize is a character of the season. Yeah, yeah. And you know, okay, well, this guy makes it to the end. Yeah, and that's it. And you know, know one person dies, and you know nothing else. And they do the same thing at the start of the second season. They have a body. Yes. You see one character. One character. Actually, then you see a few more characters ultimately, and and they let it slip that there might be more than one dead body, but you don't know how many more. Right. And, and now you're like, okay, so now we know it's not just one person. Yeah, so it's basically like a murder mystery yes. the whole the whole season. Yeah, Jennifer Coolidge is in it in both seasons. Mm-hmm, she mm-hmm. just won uh, a Golden Globe Golden for Globe. her performance. Mm-hmm. And would you say that that was well deserved? Honestly, throughout the entire second season, it wasn't until like the last two or three episodes that I was like, okay, I get it. Yeah. I was like, why did they give her this Golden Globe? <laughs> Because she was just Jennifer Coolidge the whole time. Like, but we don't know Jennifer Coolidge. This is the thing. We don't know her. No, but Je- uh, Jennifer Coolidge... If- Jennifer Coolidge in Legally Blonde. Yes, pretty, pretty much, much. Just with more money. Not Stifler's mom, Jennifer no, Coolidge. No, no, no. No, that kind no. of like... <laughs> squinty-eyed, you know, kind yeah. of like a caricature of herself right. the whole time. Right. And I was like, I don't, I don't get it. Yeah. And so they start off the second season. She she is the only carryover from the first season. Yes, that's right. And they start off the second season with... Well, oh, actually, that's not true. They're, her husband is a carryover from the second season okay. as well. And and they start off with this, like, she's super rich and whatever, and she's at the hotel, and then there's tension with her husband, and then off we go yeah. kind of thing, right? Yeah. So, like I said, we are not we don't want to do, like, a play-by-play. We just wanted to talk about some of the themes that jumped out and, mm-hmm. and unpack those a little bit. So... In the second season, there are two couples. The two husbands are buddies from college. Ethan and Cameron. And Cameron has been doing well for quite some time. Mm -hmm. He looks like he's like a Wall Street finance bro. Yes, that's right. And Ethan is new money. Mm -hmm. He's just just recently become very, very successful. It sounds like he sold a a company. He's like a tech bro or something like that. And his wife is... Played by Aubrey Plaza, mm-hmm. who's a big a big fave of yours. Yes, which I don't really get it, but I mean, I I get like her attitude is kind of hot. Yeah, but anyway, she says a lot with her eyes. She she, she is she is the queen expressive. of expressions. She's yeah, I know I know deadpan expressions. I know you're a big fan of hers from Parks and Rec. Mm-hmm. And then the other couple, oh, and you said uh, Cameron is played by the guy who is in the Time Traveler's Wife. Yeah, the Time Time show? Traveler's Wife. TV show that they did recently, which I quite enjoyed. Yeah, it's I. I mean, I got a little weirded out in the first episode, and I couldn't watch it anymore. Just I think like him showing up as an adult man, and she's a little girl, and it's just kind of weird. Yeah, it is. It is a little bit weird. And I I read the book, and it was great, mm-hmm. and it didn't really. I didn't really think of it then, but seeing it was like. Ugh. And the movie, the movie didn't land either. Most people didn't like the, the movie. The movie was brutal. Yeah. It, they cut out all the great parts. But so anyways, Eric Bana, I think, was the yes, uh, he was, time yeah. traveler. Yeah, 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 yeah. And and Rachel McAdams. Oh, Rachel McAdams. Yeah, yeah. Anyhow, so Cameron and Daphne seem to have this great marriage. They've been married for a while. They have a couple of kids. They're super lovey. They're. They're yeah, they're like one of these like snuggly. Like they seem like they seem like newlyweds. They yes. seem like newlyweds. And Harper, who is Aubrey Plaza's character, mm-hmm. is very suspicious of yes. this. She's a very her and Ethan seem like a very like progressive couple. Okay, you know she she knows enough about the world that she's never happy. I think she's like a 
workplace sexual harassment lawyer or something like that. She is. She is. So she's very suspicious of people being overly friendly and nice. Yes. And also because Ethan has just come into all this money and it doesn't sound like they've had much contact with these two for a while and they mm-hmm. just invite them out on this Italian holiday. Mm-hmm. That's the other thing. Season two takes place in Sicily in in, in and around Terramina and, and other parts on the island as Which well. Which now it's impossible for anybody to oh go there. Oh my Lord. <laughs> Like, good luck. Italy was brutal last summer. Good mm. luck going to Italy this summer. Anybody who wants to do it, like, forget it. Forget Give it a couple it. years. Man, hotels are sold out. It doesn't matter if you've got a budget of 10 or 20,000 euros a night. You're still going to struggle to find places. Especially during the high season in the summertime. Yeah, that it's brutal. Is it's insane. It's fucking brutal. So there's a lot of innuendo kind of back and forth. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, what's going on here? What's going on here? There's also another storyline of... Three generations of men from Los Angeles. The DeGrasso men. Yes. Who are have come to Sicily looking for relatives. Yes. Lost relatives that they don't know. And the older two are played by some very well-established actors. F. Murray Abraham plays Bert DeGrasso. Mm-hmm. And Michael Imperioli, a personal favorite of mine from The Sopranos, he plays uh, Dominic DeGrasso. Yes. And then his teenage early 20s son yeah because he he's graduated from college right so he's got to be in his early 20s albie i don't know who Uh, the actor is for that no or he's no he's nobody that uh, i recognize anyways no he's very sweet though yes very sweet but suspiciously sweet 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 in the beginning yeah you know what we waited all season for him to turn like super violent Because it's just like, there's no way he can hold all this niceness. He asks for consent and... Yeah, yeah. he's very enlightened. Yes. Very enlightened. And I thought it was so interesting, the generational... And maybe you can speak more to this. So the reason that only Dominic's son is there is Mm -hmm. because Dominic is a serial philanderer. Yeah. And the wife has finally had enough and basically has told him... Get the fuck out of here. I don't want to talk to you anymore. Mm-hmm. You're done. And he also has a daughter who refused to come yep. on the trip. And it was only Albie who agreed to come on yes. the trip. And it's kind of interesting when you look at... So F. Murray Abraham. So what's, what, what, Bert, Bert. Bert is also a really dirty old man, basically. He, 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 gives, he gives dirty old man energy. He has this like doddering old man. And then he gets very creepy very quickly. Super like, quick. He seems to be extremely friendly with any female hotel staff member he comes yes. across, right? Yeah. And he, he seems to have passed on his philandering ways to his son. Yes. And then the grandson is is like this shit stops with me yes right so i thought that was kind of interesting to look at at those relationships and how do you reconcile love for your father or your mother or a relative that's done you harm perhaps not intentionally Mm -hmm. but has made your life a struggle because of the way they behaved and the way you learned how to behave yeah and then how do you how do you change that do you have any thoughts on like the way your dad was as a father and a man and now how you are as a dad and a man? Well, I think I think a lot of people when you get to a certain age as an adult and I think I think when you become a parent is when you become most aware of what your parents were like with you. Right. And I think if you're kind of self actualized or you know you've done some therapy or something and you recognize 
where maybe yeah where maybe some things went wrong Mm -hmm. in your childhood you try to not repeat those mistakes and i think knowing full well that you're going to make your own set of mistakes anyways right like sure but i think i think when you have done some work and you are aware of how you're parenting and the implications of how you're raising your children Mm -hmm. what that's going to come out i think i think a lot of damage is done when you just turn into your parents without any yeah metacognition yeah yeah people know the damage that was done to them and then they turn around and do the exact same thing to their kids pretty much and so it looks like dominic's character did that and -hmm. it wasn't until albie and he doesn't have children yet, but it's sort of like, I'm not going to be like this. No. I'm not going to be like my dad. And there's some moments where, where Dominic talks to Bert, his dad, the grandfather, and and kind of says, like, I'm the way I am because of all your shit. You know, right. you thought you were good about hiding all the fucking shitty ways you treated women and all of this. And uh, you weren't. I saw it. And, you know, I never learned how to love somebody properly. And, you know, like basically kind of. Do you have, do you have anything to say to that? That like, do you think that like, what did your dad teach you about how to love a woman or how to like, did you learn anything from there? Or were you kind of out in the abyss casting around for your own? And then how do you think that's happening with, what do you think is happening with that with your own kids? How are you changing that? So my parents split when I was 16 or 17. Oh, were you that old? Yeah. Oh, wow. So I was, I was older. Mm-hmm. Like my baby sister was only five or six at the, the time that, mm-hmm. they, that they split, right? So my kids were a lot younger when I split from their mother. So I think it's a little bit different in terms of what your perception of a relationship is. Sure. But I never... I mean, I saw... I. I remember my parents being loving and stuff like that. Oh, with you do? It. Yeah, I do remember that. Okay. But I, but it, it was... But a he long... really didn't interact with you very much in that way, did no, he? No, no. Like you didn't sit down and have like man-to-man talks no, about... I can I can probably count on one hand the number of times I can remember anyways the father-son things my dad and I did. Really? Yeah. Like there's a few that stand out. I remember going to see a Toronto Blue Jays game at the old X Stadium mm-hmm. and getting Kelly Gruber, who was the third baseman at the time in like the early '80s, uh, getting his signature, waiting, waiting at the players' entrance to when they come out on, in their cars. Oh wow, that and, like, sounds stick- that's like a car commercial. Yeah, like sticking my hand through the window with a, with a with a baseball cap, and then like getting all wedged because there's all these people, and then pulling it back out, and there's Kelly Gruber's signature on Aww. it. Right? Yeah, so you know, like those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. I remember doing a couple of those a lot types of, of things, those. but not a lot of those kinds of things, and I. Uh, and I don't know, I try to do more, have, make more of those memories with my kids. I don't know how many they're going to remember. Maybe my dad did a lot more, right? So, but but I going back to that question about what my parents taught me about a relationship, I don't know if they're, I'm not aware of any way that their relationship impacted the way I conducted myself in relationships before you or in my relationship or with after you. me? No. Is that what you were going to say? Or wow. in my relationship with you. <laughs> Always judging. <laughs> mm-hmm. What about your parents? I think it's different because I think the specific dynamic in question is father and son dynamic. I can tell you that I was, and to a lesser degree, continue to be concerned about how my relationships will model for my kids. Sure. 
probably a lot more than my parents were ever concerned about that. Well, and I think we were talking about that today about a lot of people still stay in bad marriages for the kids. Mm -hmm. I'm using air bunnies when all they're showing them is a dysfunctional relationship and everybody thinks divorce is so awful for children. I would argue that children witnessing healthy relationships, whether there's a significant other in the picture or not, Mm -hmm. that is better for them. It's not, it's not healthy for children to see and learn to normalize dysfunctional and in some cases, abusive relationships. I think we've evolved to a point now where we realize that, that hopefully, you know, divorce isn't always the worst thing Mm -hmm. for children. How two people, how parents conduct themselves during and after is very, very important. Not talking shit about the other one in front of the kids, not using the kids as pawns Mm -hmm. to get back at each other, blah, 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 blah. We talked about that ad nauseum. I think it's an interesting study what father and son relationships are going to look like over the next generation or so. You have a a little bit more of an awareness of that generational dynamic. I mean, the proof will be as our children grow up and get into their own relationships. Yes. Did we break that cycle? Have we evolved in that way right? well and this is the thing i mean i can speak to the conversations that i've had with my son sure. about relationships but that's different that's your mom mm-hmm. telling you mm-hmm. stuff rather than your dad mm-hmm. telling you stuff and i think that's a very different i think it's really important to hear and see yeah. Yeah, yeah. modeled how your father treats your mom or yep. or their significant other whatever it is and i'm not trying to be I'm not trying to exclude non-heterosexual relationships. I think any kind of partnership is important to be modeled in a healthy way. But so that's kind of interesting. And then we have, then we have poor Valentina, who is the manager of the hotel in Sicily of the white Lotus in Sicily. And they've primed you from the first season. You're like, okay, is she going to be a train wreck and just (laughs) spectacularly flame out? And she starts off kind of, she's very brusque. And when she's speaking in English to the guests, she's very like, oh, you made it here. Oh, well, why wouldn't I come here? Well, you're so old. You know, like she's very blunt Mm -hmm. and extremely honest. And very unhelpful. And very unhelpful. Like she's the opposite of Armand in that. Pretty much. She really could like, I want to go get my wife some jewelry. I don't know. Walk up the street. You'll find something you like. Like, That's not what the manager of a luxury hotel should be be doing with guests. She seems very like, I don't give a fuck about this you know she she's tortured and it, it, you can you she's tortured when when you look back at it now after seeing the season you understand what that torture was all about yeah yeah so that that i wanted to ask you about this too so basically she is attracted to women mm-hmm. and but she's never been with a woman no I, as it as it turns out no as it turns out yeah and i wanted to ask do you know how acceptable it is in italian society to be a lesbian. I'm going to say they that... They actually use the word gay a lot. Yes. In there. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, my family background is Italian. Sicilian. Sicilian. Like, these are my people in this show. Yes. In, I mean, my family's not they, from Tormina, but we're not far from Tormina. Well... We're on the... We're in the... Sh- we're also the in the shadow of, the of Etna, but on yeah. the other side, right. basically, right? 
and the non-pretty side. Yeah, well it's, well, it's still pretty. Okay, we're really close to it. Like my family's village has been lavered out during eruptions. Yeah, like it's flowed through the streets. We're really, really close. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah, at least from my experience, I think it's certainly not ex- widely accepted, mm. and I feel like lesbians are more closeted than homosexual males really yeah i think so is it more acceptable to be a gay man in italian society i don't think i wouldn't say it's accepted but i think it's more more acceptable because i think of that chauvinistic italian culture of women stay in the home Mm. like in my family in italy the young women only have jobs and careers until such time as they get married and then they become housewives. Oh, wow. That like So they can work and they can have apartments and do all that kind of stuff. But once they get married, their job is to is to keep home, pump out a bunch of kids, you know, okay. do all that kind of stuff. And so I think a lesbian grates a little too much against that mm. expectation. I see. Okay. Because they aren't going to produce children. Right. And their role is to keep a house. I see. Right? So that's why I think it's a little less accepted. And and we get some nice vignettes of Valentina's life. Yeah. You know, she goes to get coffee and people hit on her and she's like, like, que cazzo? Like, what the fuck? Right? I just like, want my coffee. I just want my coffee. This happens every single day. I come in here. I just want my coffee. And the guy's like, well, okay. All right. Well, have a nice day. Right? Like, <laughs> he's so, like, put off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, she feeds stray kittens cat food. And, 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 and then it seems like she's inordinately concerned with her, two of her staff members just not doing their jobs. They're just fraternizing the whole time. No, she's not. She's, she's worried that the, the woman is being harassed. Well, that's how it starts. But then it comes out that she's actually attracted to the woman. Yes. And and her concern is maybe a little less sexual harassment in the workplace because she seems very happy to flex her power over her right. by inviting her out for dinner and whatever. Yeah. And buying her a little brooch and putting it on. And like, it's uncomfortable. That's yeah. that's, a, that's a good parallel actually to Armand because he does things that are like personal space, uncomfortable like. And she does the same kind of thing with Isabella. The- well, th- this is the thing. Yeah, they in in both seasons there are the favorites mm-hmm. that get treated really, really well, and yeah. then the other ones that get treated like shit. Yeah. But I think like Salvatore. Yeah, but I think it's interesting how one of the storylines is about a woman's sexual mm-hmm. journey mm-hmm. and discovering her sexuality and what she really wants and having those experiences for yeah. the first time. So that was kind of neat. And she's got a banging body under there. Holy shit. Does she like, have we, a- <laughs> we get, we get some, some views at some point. We get point to see her culo like, and it's holy like, shit. wow. Yeah. It's like, it is a peach, bro. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It is good. She looks to be probably in her early to mid forties. Yeah. I would probably put her there. So yeah. it's been a long road for Valentina, but. And, and it turns out that, she has never been I said that. I know, but but you you realize that she's lived this life and that her personality and this brusqueness in large part I think has to do with this side that she's repressed in herself. Yeah, she's frustrated. Yeah. She needs her pussy eaten. Yeah. That's it. So I want to go back to the two couples. Okay. Because there's some weird shit going on. So right at the beginning, Cameron doesn't have a bathing suit. And Ethan says, oh, you can borrow one of mine. Yeah, his luggage get, got lost or something. Oh, his luggage gets lost. That's right. So, True to life in, so, in Italy. 
So he goes upstairs with Harper, who's Ethan's wife, Mm -hmm. and she says, here you go, here's some shorts. And he drops trow and gets changed right there in the middle of the room while Mm -hmm. she's in the bathroom with the door open. Yeah, getting an aspirin or some shit. And she's like, what the fuck is going on? And there's this tension between these two couples and between... Like, between the four of them and then between the couples themselves. Right. And I think there were a couple things that jumped out. So, Harper is this big fan of comparison. Mm-hmm. You know, at least we're not that. Well, we're not this. Yeah, we're, we're not great, but we're still better than, than well, them. Well, and, and it comes out very su- very early on that her and Ethan don't have sex. Yep. And she tries, actually. It's not him trying. It's her trying and being rejected. Yep. And it's not like he doesn't want a nut. Oh, that's right. What's he doing? So he goes for of- he runs. That they establish that he's one of these he's these early morning runners. And there's that's actually a nice little parallel with the first season that there's a character in the first season Quinn who kind of watches the sun come up over the ocean and has this like oh my god the world is amazing kind of moment. Mm. And and Ethan has that same moment. He's like on some kind of overlook and he sees the the hill and all this sort of stuff that the the classic Tormina like Vista and goes wow yeah yeah and then he comes back from his from his run and he's jerking off he's like he he gets the laptop out and he pulls up you porn I was like wow they like you actual you porn like that's product placement somebody yeah, paid yeah. money for that site to be in there what a world we live in right and, and then she walks in on him and she's like what are you doing and he's like well and it's quite funny he's like well I, I was I was jerking off and like it's, <laughs> yeah, it's and she was like why didn't you wait for me like I yeah I, I would, could take care of that for you yeah totally I would have been totally down for that and and he's like well you're not really a morning person she's like I could I could be I could I, be yeah. And it's really interesting how people compare themselves, Mm -hmm. how people make themselves feel better about the relationship that they're in because by using, well, at least we're not them. Yeah. Like, at least we're not fake. Like these, like these two are ridiculous. Like there's no way, there's no way it's real. And Daphne is trying to, it seems like create a friendship with Harper and Harper is very hesitant. She's just kind of like, ugh, just over everything. Yeah. And I know you and I have had conversations about frenemies, but I think it's a really interesting study how they tiptoe around each other. Mm-hmm. And I like think they're sizing each other up. Yes. And I think that's one of the reasons why it's so difficult for adult women to make new friends. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is because you really are not sure what people's motives are. Yeah. And women that are pretending to be your friend can be incredibly fucking dangerous to you. Yeah, yeah. Because you drop your guard and then they can exploit it, right? And I'm sure I've said this on this podcast before, but I have been hurt far worse by women in mm-hmm. my life mm-hmm. than any man. It's it's devastating. I understand the hesitancy, especially with Harper's character, who looks like she's seen some shit mm-hmm. in her life. Mm-hmm. And just not buying what Daphne is selling. Yeah. You know, she's she's blonde and she's bouncy and she's, you know, this doting mom. And it seems like I just not, I don't have anything in common with this woman. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So one day they Daphne decides she wants to go to Nato. Noto, Noto. 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 Yeah. This little town and go shopping. And she asks Harper to go with her. And she begrudgingly goes. 
And, and this is where it starts to get really interesting because Daphne has, unbeknownst to Harper, rented out this villa for the night yep. and decides she wants to stay there. Yep. And they do an edible and they have mm-hmm. some drinks and, you know, they start talking about, you know, do you think Cameron's ever cheated on you? And she says, I, th- I think so, maybe, maybe mm-hmm. once or twice, but, you know, I mean, I, whatever, like... And it's like, well, how do you, how do you deal with that? And she's like, well, you just fucking do your own shit. Yeah. You do what you need to do to be okay with it. Yeah. And I'm, and I think this is why people, these are the storylines where people just start to go ape shit. Like it's so provocative and it's so like, (gasps) you know, and I think based on the subject matter that we've discussed on this podcast before, it was just kind of like. Yeah, like lots of people are doing this. I like the bookend of that conversation later on in the season where they basically have the same conversation again, but this time it's not hypothetical right. that Cameron cheated on right. Daphne. So, so what happens? Tell me what happens okay. while the women are in Noto. Okay, so the women are in Noto getting baked and, and shopping and whatever in this big empty villa. And sharing. And sharing. Mm-hmm. And... Cameron uses his time alone with Ethan to reveal the real reason why he brought them there, which is basically a business proposition to like, hey, invest your money with me kind of thing. Because now he's got all this money. And then they rent some jet skis. They drink, rent the jet skis, go jet skiing, and then they decide they're going to party. They're just going to keep keep the party going. Anytime you hear party as a verb, mm-hmm. I start to go, Ugh. and And so in the bar... They pick up a couple of local Italian girls who have kind of woven themselves through a number of different... They kind of touch all characters, actually, in They're this sex season. workers. Yes, they're sex... Well, one of them for sure is. The other one, maybe. We're not sure. I mean, she will if she needs to, basically. Yeah, but she'd rather not. But, yeah. And they go back up to the rooms, because they have adjoining rooms, right? They made, they made a big point at the beginning that the rooms were adjoining and like, oh, we can open the door. And they're like, fucking leave the door closed, okay? Like, Because I'm like, oh my, they're, they're, they're going to swing. I was convinced they were going to have a force yeah, at some, 100%, at some point. Or swap or, or something, something like that. And they were like, no, cl- keep the fucking door closed. Yeah, it opens great, whatever, right? <laughs> and and so they they bring the girls back up to the room and it looks like they're each going to fuck one of these, one of these sex workers and in the end, Ethan kind of goes, no, I'm, I don't really want I'm to. I'm married. He freaks I'm, out a little bit. He freaks out a little bit. No, I don't want to. Um, but Cameron's like, fucking more for me. Like, he fucks them both. He fucks them both. And so, yeah, so that's how that night goes. So, yeah. So this is one of the themes that I, so the D-A-D-T. Yes. Don't ask, don't tell. It seems like Cameron and Daphne have a DADT arrangement. Yeah, it's it's kind of like as long as whatever Cameron does doesn't impact Daphne's life directly, it's fine. Like out of sight, out of mind. Sure. Yeah. And I don't think, and I think that's kind of an understanding between them, but I don't think Cameron has any idea that she's doing the same thing. He jokes about, oh, like, you know, she talks about, she goes and gets this massage and she talks about this masseur that she had and he was totally hot and had a lot of muscle. He looked like Timothy Chalamet, but with muscles. But with muscles, which no, is a perfect no, description. No no shade to Timothy Chalamet. Yeah, but, but if you've seen Dune, you know what we're talking yeah. about. <laughs> and 
And he's like, oh, uh, you know, oh, are you cheating on me? And she's like, yeah, kind of. And it's really jokey. And maybe, maybe they both acknowledge that they both do stuff. Mm-hmm. But there's no details given. What did you, what do you call it? Mystery on both sides. Mystery on both sides. Yep. And I think that, you know, we've talked about this before about how DADTs are not the greatest idea. In practice, being something that we have tried (laughs) yes it's very hard to both be honest with your partner Mm -hmm. and also d-a-d-t d-a-d-t yeah they're almost diametrically opposed yes and uh, like especially if you have any kind of like reliable routine Mm -hmm. if both of you are all over the place all the time then maybe that's easier to do yeah but you know yeah it's not something that's worked for us. We but tried I, it. It, 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 it didn't work so no, well. Not so great. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people are thinking, oh my God, that's a, absolutely a horrendous thing to do in your marriage. But then you kind of look at it and you go, well, do you like the sexless marriage better? Do you like the... There's a coldness yeah. between Ethan and Harper. Yes. That is... It, it made me really sad, actually, throughout mm-hmm. the season where it's like... Just say something. Like, have a conversation. I, I wanted to scream. Like, I yelled at the TV a couple of times. Like, talk about this. Like, they they would almost get there. Yeah. And then it would back off. And you're like, no. So so Harper's convinced that something happened because she couldn't reach Ethan. Right. And eventually gets to him the next morning. Well, hold on. Yeah. So, oh. so the next morning, Cameron hurries the girls out. Right, because they're in his they're in his room now. They're in his room, and he comes and finds Ethan, who is severely hungover. Yeah, and he was like, and he he just goes like this. He goes, "Yo, broke up." Yeah, Ethan's like past, like just prone on the bed, and he comes on very like pillow talky, and he's like, "Yo, bro code," and he's like okay and he's like i love you i want to be inside you like and and starts to get like really sexually explicit which i i I guess it's really interesting like straight guys aren't straight kind of thing where it's like yeah we were we were roommates in college and maybe we saw each other's dicks and i I don't don't know. know like maybe we don't know and as soon as he says bro code we were like oh so what kind of a position does that put people in it's like shotgun and you're like hold on a minute it have you ever had somebody bro code you have you ever bro coded somebody i've never bro coded somebody okay but i have been adjacent to bro code what do you mean well i've seen people who did stuff at their bachelor parties yeah (laughs) like you know like that kind of stuff and you know the whole idea of a bachelor party where there might be strippers and stuff, it's like an unwritten rule that you're not supposed to discuss what happened at the bachelor party beyond maybe just poker and drinking Which and Which is whatever. why a lot of people are forgoing bachelor right. parties and bachelorette parties now because, I don't know, they've seen too... That used to be like one of my favorite brands of porn was like bachelorette party porn. Oh, really? Yeah, where like the stripper or whatever would like... Fuck the bride. Yeah, like like <laughs> in a bunch front of, of all of her friends. A bunch of her friends would like a bunch of the women would like blow him for a bit, and then he would bang the bride. Yeah, or something. is that awful? I'm, I, I'm sure that happens never, but <laughs> maybe once in a while. Maybe once in a while. But then that's you know like sisters before misters, I guess. Right, like, and and the problem the problem with this is is that 
Cameron saying bro code to Ethan, mm-hmm. being the guy that fucked two prostitutes, sorry, sex workers, in his room, puts Ethan in an incredibly awkward position because now he didn't do anything. I mean, he kissed one for a little bit, but he stopped it, which, you know, okay. You could explain that she one away. Him. She he kissed him. He could explain it like that. But now he has to be deceptive. Mm-hmm. He can't give all the details to Harper about what happened that night. Mm-hmm. And that only... She, she gets suspicious because the pattern is broken. And then... And he's being super shifty. Yeah. Yeah. Because he's being really evasive, then makes it... Incre- it... it, it and you can see this they 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 ratchet up the tension based on this dissonance that's happening between the two of them mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and you're like oh my god they're fi- hopefully they're they're going to they're going to finally address the issue and come clean because a lot of this could have been avoided a lot of the 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 turmoil i mean it would have been a lot less interesting if they just had a conversation at the beginning it's more entertaining to see it escalate yeah but no. We talk about that all the time yeah. about how this would have been so much, but then it's not. It's not interesting television, and I think this is a complaint that we have often: is the portrayal of non-monogamy, whatever flavor it is, whatever flavor it is, is abhorrent and it doesn't work. Hurtful. Yeah, and kind of sleazy. Yeah, and so and I was I, I kind of had high hopes for this. Like I was really kind of hoping like. Okay, like everybody's gonna, you know, thinking thinking that they would have this really cool foursome scene. I was really kind of looking forward to that, but that didn't happen. Yeah. But so Harper comes back, comes home, and yep. questions him, and he's a little bit evasive. He's just like, I, I don't know. I was super hammered. Like, I don't know. Yeah. And she's pressing him for details, and he she, can't give any, and so that's making so her he suspicious. Does it, yeah. So then she finds a condom wrapper in the couch. Another product placement. Did you did you see what the brand was? Durex. It was Durex. Yeah. Yeah, I did yeah. see that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Durex, um, Uporn, and EasyJet. Those are the big brands that were in this. <laughs> the airline. You're yeah. Like really? Who flies EasyJet? So she finds a, a condom wrapper, and uh, oh my god, we were howling last night watching it (laughs) because ethan's like well she finds it Mm -hmm. and then she stews on it for a little bit and then she decides you know what but what she does is is she goes and then she puts it like in the bathroom like near his toothbrush or something so she's it's basically like i know what's up right and like what are you gonna do about it right and you're like oh my god he he's handling this so badly (laughs) He was. Yeah. And, and and I was like, well, what do you mean? And you're like, you know, first of all, thank you, Shaggy. Wasn't me. Like, that's not mine. Pro- yeah. Prove it was. Yeah, that's not mine. And then it was like, where'd you find it? Well, I found it on the couch. In Man, the couch. In, in the, the couch, couch. In the couch. It was like in between the couch cushions or yeah. something. And he's like, fuck, I don't know. Like, do you think housekeeping fucking jams their hands down into the into the couch and, and you know, yeah. lifts up all the cushions? That's to make what sure I would that, say. Yeah. It's like, and, and I'm like, oh my God, you are devious. <laughs> Like you, you literally watched what was going on, and you had already formulated what I would say. What if that you was would me. say, yeah. I was like, Holy you were like, oh my god, shit. and then and then you were like, date a smart woman. They said it'll be fun. They said I'm like, no one ever said dating a smart woman would be fun. It's not fun. <laughs> oh man, yeah, we giggled on that one. And so then he has to break the bro code. He yes. breaks down and tells her everything in order to save his own skin. He doesn't. 
say everything, but he gives her a lot more information. He tells her that they took Molly, that they uh-huh. got smashed with the, with these prostitutes, sorry, sex workers, and that Cameron <laughs> fucked them both. And she's like, it's not, it's not about the Molly and the hookers. It's that you didn't tell me the truth. And I was like, really? I think is it's still it, a little bit the about the Molly yeah, and I the hookers, I think it's a little right? about the, yeah, it's a little about that. <laughs> you know, and, and then, and then, it's it's not cool because she starts throwing it. Now they get back together, the four of them. Yes, and she starts throwing out stuff. She gets little drunk. comments. She gets she makes all these comments that lets Cameron know that Ethan has fucking ratted on him. Yeah, they go. They do some wine tasting, yeah. and she gets hammered quickly. Yeah, and she just starts. It's like well, maybe we should slow down on the wine. Are you kidding me? Why don't we ramp it up? In fact, why don't we do some Molly too? We'll just fucking rage. Yeah, and he, and Ethan kind of or Cameron kind of goes. Uh, that's an oddly specific example, yeah. right? Like, <laughs> you just like the eyebrow tilt, right? And and because she starts asking these questions, like, have you ever fucked the same woman before? Like, have, have you ever seen the other one have sex before? And like yeah. in, co- in college, not last night, right? Like, so then, yes, exactly. So then, Ethan brings something up which I'd never heard of before. But when we looked it up, it was like, okay, that makes sense. It was a concept called mimetic desire. Yes. Can you explain what mimetic desire? So mimetic is? desire is the fact that you desire something because somebody usually of a higher status possesses it. Right. It's basically what drives everything on social media these days. All pretty much all advertisement. Yep. All celebrity endorsement. Yep. Yeah, all social media influencer shit. Yep. And Ethan says, Cameron, you have a bad case of mimetic desire. Right. So basically he said, I would never tell you I liked a girl in college because as soon as, when I, whenever I did, you fucked her within a week. Right. That was the answer to the question, have you ever fucked the same one? And it was like, no, because he would get to him first and then I would never get a shot. Basically. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So the tension is building between the men. Yeah. Because he was like, you, Cameron's like, you think you're better than me, Ethan? And he's like, maybe You think not. you're higher status than yeah, me? Yeah. He's like, well, maybe not back then, but I... I was smarter than you. Yeah. 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 It gets very like, it went from bro code to frenemy really quickly. Yeah. And they're like, is one of the dead bodies going to be one of these guys? Like, is <laughs> they going to kill the other one? Yeah, exactly. And you think, yeah. And that, and they do a really, really good job of maintaining that tension of like, who's going to kill someone? Who's well, going to fucking snap? And because the body is found in water, they're constantly, every time there is anything to do on, in, or near water, you're like, yeah. Maybe this is going to be it. Yeah. Maybe this is the thing that is going to be the thing, right? Yes, and, exactly. Ugh. And so I, I was looking into mimetic desire a little bit. Mm. And how do you know that what you want is what you want? We are inundated mm. with things that five minutes ago I didn't know I, it existed. And now I have to have now it. Now you have to have it. Yeah. How many times does that happen to people? Like a like a, a mag safe. Camera mount? <laughs> Quarter 20 MagSafe mount, yeah? Yeah, it's like, oh, how did I ever live my life without this? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I got to screw it in like a peon? Fuck that. <laughs> Peasants. <laughs> so it, 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 was an interesting, it was an interesting concept. I'd never heard of that, mm-hmm. but I, the concept is like, okay, that, yeah, that makes sense. But like, I think there are a lot of people out there who aren't, attracted to someone or don't desire someone until you know there's a lot of competition that goes on between between friends and between either colleagues or roommates whatever it is so it it was kind of an interesting 
thing. And I think it's important to do that internal work a little bit to ask yourself, like, is this really what I want or is this what I'm being told that I want? It's really tough because there's so much subconscious and subliminal triggers yeah. that it it would be really hard to pull apart yeah. whether you're being impressed upon or if it's a genuine original thought of your own. Although I think if we take the celebrity crush for an example, right? Right. There are a lot of people, absolutely everybody, when I was coming up, had a thing for Brad Pitt. Everybody. Oh, yeah. Everybody, everybody. And I yeah. was kind of like, nah, he doesn't really do anything for me. The Himalayas. Fuck his off. Great movie, Seven Years in Tibet, but his Austrian accent sucks. <laughs> yeah, sucks. It's it's just it's just interesting. Yeah. where you know a lot of people like a certain thing or a certain person, and I think you really have to. I mean, it doesn't matter if you. I think sometimes two people just want to be in the group. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. For right? sure. So there's a scene where Harper and Ethan. It kind of comes to a head. So mm-hmm. so. She is suspicious of him and what he did. He tells her nothing. But then he immediately becomes suspicious of her. Well, he gets very angry because he. they say it a lot. They make a point of it throughout most of the season that they've always had honest communication. Right. Which is disingenuous because they're not having the honest conversation about why they're not having sex. Right. But... Yeah, I guess he's he's correct in the fact that he's never lied to her. They just haven't had the conversation about right, why, right? right? So he really gets upset about the fact that she doesn't believe him. Right. When he, he believes he's com- come completely clean and he's given her all the information. But he does do that. And then she sees him having a conversation with the prostitutes. And now she's suspicious all over again. Right, right. And then she starts to do things to get him suspicious. Yes. And his scumbag brain sucks. Oh, my God. So I think his scumbag brain actually rivals yours. Well, and it was interesting that we never saw her scumbag brain. No. But we saw his. Yeah. So they did this neat thing where he'd be looking in a certain place and his scumbag brain is conjuring up visions of... Like a reenactment of of what happened. Cameron and Harper making out on a tape, fucking, doing the whole thing. And that... We don't have any evidence that that ever happened. No. But he's seeing it plain as day. Well, he comes back to the room because he's suspicious and the night lock's on. Yeah. The deadbolt's on. Yeah. And he's like, what the fuck is this? And then his scumbag brain later replays the other side of the door. Yeah. What happened before she opened it up. fills in the gap. Yeah. She makes an interesting statement where she says, we're too young to be Uh, this old. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What did she mean by that? I took it, I took it to mean that... In a relationship, the common understanding is that you're hot and heavy sexually and physically in the beginning. It results in kids that you then raise. And then you hit your twilight years and you're not interested in sex anymore. And they've gone from hot and heavy to twilight years without the kid in between. Right. And they're still young. Right. They don't even look like they're, they look like they're in their early 30s. Yeah, I would put them. Yeah. yeah early to mid 30s. And I thought that was interesting because, I mean, we talk a lot about aging because mm-hmm. we're we're all doing it. We're all doing it, and I think a lot of what has to do with getting old. There's a difference between aging and getting old. Yes, and getting old, 
is a lot more inside your brain yeah. than anything else. And it's unforgivable, according to Quentin in this in this thing as yes. well. Yes. Yeah. And you see it all the time where people start to close their minds. They become afraid of so many things. Mm-hmm. They stop learning. They stop going on adventures. Mm-hmm. And I think it really does make you old. Yeah. And so... One of the things that I love best about our relationship is that even though we're getting older, I don't feel like we're old. No. I feel like we're always learning new things, trying new things together, going to new places and being physical yeah, and not being afraid of stuff. Yep. And I, I think that's a really, it's so important because that's part of what keeps when people are like, how do you keep the spark? That's one of the ways that you do that yeah, yeah, is by absolutely. keeping your mind open and and reading things and learning things and trying things that you maybe are a little bit afraid to try. And I think people just get into this rut of they take vacations the same place all the time. They talk about the same things. They watch the same shows. They, you know, this is what we always do. Yes. And they don't realize that it's sapping them of that novelty that we're built for. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I think that's something, you know, without tooting our own horn, beep beep, but that's something that we're really, really good at. Yeah. There's things that we do now that I don't think we did three years ago. No. Or things that we talk about or things yep. that we like. We're changing all the time. Yep. And it, and evolving all the time. And I that's how it stays fresh. Yeah. Like it's it's not a it's not a stale relationship. I don't at think all. So. so that was kind of interesting and then it goes back to the idea of a married couple and one unilaterally canceling the other's sex life because they're not interested in sex any longer Uh or not interested in sex with their partner and in this case they've sort of turned it because it's ethan who's not interested and yet he gets super like Almost irrationally jealous. For a guy that had no interest in fucking his wife, he was extremely upset about the thought of somebody else fucking her. Right. Was Now, do you think it was the thought of somebody else fucking her? Or, or Cameron one more time probably. cucking him? Yeah, in- I think, I'm sure both of those things. Right, yeah. I'm sure both of those things where it's like, this motherfucker, like every time. Every time I like somebody. Every time. I think it bears repeating that it's not okay to cancel another human being's sex life if you don't want to anymore. It's like, it's fine if you don't want to have sex anymore, if you don't want to have sex with me anymore. But then we need to talk about what the implications are for me at that point. Do you want to have sex with other people or you just don't want to have sex at all? Because I can tell you, I would like to have sex still before I die. And I think... Harper was kind of saying that, like, I'm not okay with being this young and being this old. I would like to have sex still. That's an interesting parallel, actually, I just thought of, to conversation between Bert DeGrasso and Dominic DeGrasso, Mm -hmm. because the mother's, like, the the, the, uh, Dominic's mother, Bert's wife, the same person, right? Yes. She's dead. Right. And... Dominic says to him in one of the earlier episodes when he's being creepy to all these women and he's like, what? Like, I'd like to have sex again before I die. Yeah. Like, you know, I loved your mother, but also she's dead now. You know, my dick still works and, you know, I want to I want to fuck. Right. And they're having that same conversation. Right. Except they're still there. Right. Exactly. 
And so I, I think I think that's probably like the single best argument for non-monogamy. Yeah, for non-traditional relationship arrangements where people can create their own model of what their relationship looks like. Mm-hmm. Because I know I know people that are like, you know, my spouse doesn't want to have sex, so I don't have sex. And it's like that's not okay. Yeah. That's <laughs> like you're still a human being. Yeah. Like you know and and it's very, very important for people, whether they realize it or not. No, I know. So, And we know this to be true because they finally fuck and their relationship is fixed. Well, th- yes, that is the intimation. <laughs> that is the intimation that, they, that Ethan and Harper finally have sex on the last day. Bro. And, re- and connect. Yeah, reconnect. And, and what it made me think of was what it does... To see your partner through someone else's eyes. Uh, mm-hmm. When someone else desires your partner, it can fire up your own desire for your partner. And it seemed like his desire for her had been dead for quite some time. Yeah. But processing the idea that Cameron or other men want to fuck her. And it's kind of like, oh, fuck, like, maybe, maybe I need to look at her in a different way that's one of the things that like why i like i think why we like going to the club and being in different environments is that when women the way watching the way women respond to you talk to you and the way men talk to me respond to me it's kind of like ooh. Mm -hmm. but that was kind of unspoken like that wasn't even that wasn't unpacked or anything like that but but that's that's what i got out of that that it was like he needed to be shocked back into like, hey, your wife is hot and she wants to fuck you. Like, what are you doing? Bro? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What are you doing? She could go somewhere else, right? Now, the other thing that may be happening that they don't show you is at a certain point, Daphne and Ethan go off together. I was going to ask you that. I was, okay. was, was going to ask you, if we can believe Harper mm-hmm. that... The vision that Ethan had of the scumbag brain of what happened before he burst into the room. They just kissed. He doesn't really believe that they just kissed, but she's adamant that it was just kissing and that they never got anywhere, right? In his scumbag brain, it looks like he finger banged her a little bit and maybe he interrupted oh, them and, about and they, to have and sex. They had, yeah, and they had sex right. in another, yeah. Ethan and Daphne go off somewhere mm-hmm. and it's very heavily implied because she says to him, like, you look like, what's wrong? And Why are you so upset? Yeah. Like, why don't you just, just have some imagination? Yeah. You know, you're upset about this? Go get some, basically. And, and it's like, here, wh- oh, here's this island I've been dying to see before we leave. I'm going to go over there. Why don't you come with me? Yeah. Do you think they fucked? I'm going to say yes. And this is the reason why. Okay. Is because when people don't have sex for a while, their desire for it seems to lower. We know in men that testosterone levels drop mm-hmm. oftentimes in long-term relationships yes and yes you can take supplements and things like that to get that t level back up again but one of the best ways mm-hmm. to and get that quickest testo- and quickest ways to get that testosterone level back up is to use your penis again with a novel partner with a novel partner that's the trick yeah right yeah so and you've talked about that uh-huh that that you thought there was something I wrong. I thought I had with a brain tumor. I went to my doctor and I was like, <laughs> I think I have a brain tumor. 
I want to fuck all the time now. Yeah, like I all I I am horny nonstop all the time. Right. What the fuck is going and can on? I, I I just 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 for baseline. Yeah. Before that happened, how often would you say you were desperate to have sex? Like how often per week? Yeah, maybe once a week. Once a week was fine yeah, for you. Yeah, but it would oftentimes go uh, once every couple of weeks or something like that. And that was okay for Especially you. Especially once kids came around, it, it you know it the, the days the days and weeks melted, right? right? Because you're just you're just so busy with little kids, right? Sure. But yeah, I mean, you know, and I think a lot of people out there would go once a week. Yeah, it's not bad. Like that's that's doable, right? But there's that comparison again mm-hmm. where that doesn't matter. The thief of joy. But it's like, but but it's also I think. A scapegoat mm-hmm. where you go, well, you know, at least we're not them. Right. You know, they haven't had sex in six months. We're having sex twice a month. That's a lot more than a lot of people get. And you're like, I don't give a fuck what a lot of people I'm get. not a lot of people. I'm this person. I'm this person. And yeah. this doesn't feel good to me. Yeah. So knowing what we know about what a novel partner does for people's desire levels. Mm-hmm. Do you think it kickstarted his desire? Yes, I do. For Harper. Do you think so? I, I mean, it would make sense. It would make sense. Like those two things together. Yeah. You know, seeing your partner through someone else's eyes and the desire that they have for them, plus the T overload of fucking a new partner. What do you think? Yeah. Because they so. never tell you. No. But it, they, they, they're explicit in a lot of things. In this one, they've kept intentionally vague, I think, to yes. generate this kind of conversation. But, but and, most and, people that are watching this. Don't know those things. Maybe they things. wouldn't catch it. But there was a little throwaway line because Cameron gives this lame-ass toast at the end. <laughs> and on their last night dinner, which is before he before Ethan fucks uh, Harper. Yes. Harper, yes. All right, so Maldives next year? And it was like, what, is this season three going to be in the Maldives? And oh it's going to be these be four coming back? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. It'll be interesting. Somebody's got to die, though. That's the thing. That's okay. They'll find somebody else to die. But I... I can see why it was so provocative for so many people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. I don't, I don't want to, you know, I'm not trying to be like, oh, look at us, we're so. But Looking I think for, I think, look at us. Hey, hey, look at us. Who would have thought? Not me. <laughs> <laughs> I think that it's an interesting study, and just like so many other things that dip their toe into uh-huh. non-monogamy, it falls far short of satisfying. Yeah. It's still portrayed as a cautionary tale. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Even though if you look at Cameron and Daphne's relationship, arguably they're doing much better than the other couple. But they can't just say that. So they have to leave things intentionally vague in their relationship that maybe on the surface it looks like they're okay but really like daphne's fucking her trainer and and yeah and so what and he's fucking everybody yeah. and so they're still loving they enjoy each other's company they they're raising a couple of kids together it doesn't seem like there's a lot of friction points between them mm. you know she's like mm. and he's got abandonment issues yeah and it's almost like she pretends to be mad yeah. But she's kind of like, meh. And he pretends to be jealous. And then they make it like a game between them. I got one more thing I want to ask you. Okay. Guys, remember I said earlier about the bookending conversation? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? So when Harper confronts Daphne, not confronts, but revisits that conversation again about like Cameron, what, does Cameron cheat? The one from the conversation from the villa, right? Now she knows because, Cameron because Ethan told her that Cameron cheated on Daphne. What do you think about 
what do you think about the way that she handled that? Because I paused it and I asked her, I'm like, what do you think that conversation was about? So, so they, they're having a, Harper and Daphne are having a conversation and Harper says, I think something happened while we were in Noto. And she's like, yeah, maybe, you know, um, I have this trainer and sometimes I see him more than I see my own husband because he works a lot. And, um, and this guy is like blonde and blue eyed and just like, he's just beautiful. I have a pick. You want to see? And the Harper's like, okay, I guess. And she shows her a picture of her two kids. Yep. And Harper says, this is just a picture of your kids. And she goes, huh. Whoopsie. So it is. Um, anyway, the point is you should get a trainer. And I was like, I was like, I don't know. The kid's blonde and blue eyed. Is she saying that she's spending more time with the kid? And I'm like, or is it like back the fuck off? And and you you took it as that like it was back. I the fuck took off. it. I took that as listen. You are traipsing on our DADT. Yeah. You have no idea what the nature of our relationship is. You have no idea what I know or don't know. What he knows or doesn't know. Mm-hmm. What either of us do. So back the fuck off and shut the fuck up. Yeah. And I think that is a really good lesson for everyone out there who thinks they know. Or thinks they need to say something mm-hmm. about seeing somebody's spouse on dating apps yeah. or whatever they think they know, you don't. No. You don't know. No, you don't. You don't. So shut the fuck up and mind your own business. Mm-hmm. It's not your job. It's not your job. If your friend is like, I think he's cheating on me, like whatever, whatever. Like, do you know anything? Okay, then then it's different to have yeah. a conversation. But to just out of the blue bring this up. To, like... Thanks, Siri. I think that's a a, a great, I like your bookend Mm. visual, Mm. is all to say, you really don't know what people's relationships are like. No. You only know what they show you and what their public face is and stay the fuck out of it. And it's, I'm sure, I mean, aside from people that know what the nature of our relationship is, I'm sure we present extremely traditional yeah to people socially very monogamous right absolutely Mm -hmm. and i think in most ways we are like yeah we we are monogamous in a lot of ways yeah but it was it's just an interesting study knowing knowing what we know and doing some of the things that we that we do to watch this and watch every and and listen to everybody go ape shit Mm -hmm. about how crazy it is and we were just kind of like yeah, this is good. Like, it's super well it's, done. The character studies are fantastic. Yeah, it really is. It's definitely worth the watch. 100%. Definitely worth the watch. One last parting question. Oh, sure. Two-parter. Okay. Favorite character, season one. Favorite character, season two. I know who your favorite character is from season one. Yes, but so that's okay. do you okay. want to talk you... about that first? Because no. I know that you're... Well, no, no. I mean, I'll say it, and anybody who's seen the show will know it, right? Season one. I think Armando is my favorite character. Armand, Armand is is. Oh, Armand, not Armando. um, Armand. Yeah, he's he's a close second. He's a very close second. Quinn was my favorite. The the kind of petulant teenage son. Yeah. From the from the fam in the family there. Yeah. Oh God. (laughs) Who's the father? Steve Zahn. Yeah. Okay. He has this fucking roller coaster in like two episodes where he (laughs) thinks he's dying of ball cancer. We see his fucking dick. It's not his dick. I keep telling you this. It's a stunt dick. Stunt dick. Anyways, he goes from like, he he goes from like, I think I'm dying of ball cancer to I'm not dying of 
from bowel cancer. My dad died of cancer. I wonder if it was the same kind. No, my dad died of HIV and AIDS because he fucked dudes. Because he was gay. This is a fucking roller coaster. Oh, of yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So I just, I don't know. This just made me laugh. I mean, not the dying of cancer and shit, but. Uh, I'm glad you cleared that up. Yeah. Season two, favorite character? We have not discussed this, so you don't know who my favorite character is. No, in I don't. Two. So, yeah, Armand is my favorite from season one, and I know Quinn was your favorite from season yeah. one. So, season two. Hmm. Who's my favorite character? I And for me, it goes... There were a bunch of people that I really liked, and then by the end of the season, I didn't like anymore. Okay. Right? So this is somebody who consistently threw out the whole thing. I was like, I, hmm. I, I, think, I think Cameron's my favorite character. Really? Yeah. I guess because he's always been who he was going to be. Yeah, he, he was... If nothing, he was consistent. He was consistent. And I think that... I don't know. There was a playfulness to him mm-hmm. and a like just kind of a raw sex appeal to yeah. him. Like he was, yeah, I think he was probably my favorite character. And he he just didn't give a fuck. Like he just did whatever he wanted, whenever he wanted. He plays the time traveler a lot like that, actually. Does he? Yeah. Time traveler's wife. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Who's your favorite character? I think it's going to be one of the local sex workers. Oh, Lucia. It's Lucia. Yeah, I think it's Lucia. Okay. I, I mean... She was hot as fuck. Yeah. Just saying. Like she fucked two generations of DeGrassos on this. We well, thought, I thought for we sure. We thought she was there gonna was gonna be three. Trick. Yeah, we thought there was gonna be three for sure. Yeah, she was a great she was a great character and everything about her was like, ugh. Like, she she turned out in the end to she be was way more luscious. devious. Yeah, yeah. It was it was a juicy role. It was. Well, and she, she's just she's just juicy. Yeah, oh yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. I don't know who plays her either, but yeah. Some Italian actress. I would watch that sex tape. A hundred percent. And actually, in, in the last night scene, when the, everybody's fucking, I'm like, is that Albie and Lucia fucking? And you're like, oh no, that's that's Ethan and and Harper fucking. And it was like, it could have been the other two. Like it's, there's so many. There's a lot of, there's a lot of nice men's bums in this, in this season. Oh, don't forget Nicolo's little piccolo, you know, like he, we got, we got full frontal, full frontal, male full frontal. We and didn't w- get and, any and, female full and frontal. And it wasn't even a stunt dick. It was like the, his dick. The mafioso's dick. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, we didn't get any female nudity. Uh, actually, that's not true. We saw Mia's T- tits boobs. and bums. That's that's, that's all it. we got. Yeah, yeah, no full frontal for the women in this one. Yeah, so I guess feminism. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> always, always a good lesson. Yeah, yeah, we'd be interested in hearing what you thought of the second season and the first season. Yeah, if you're absolutely. so inclined, please. Feel free to shoot us an email or a DM. Or Instagram. comment on the website on the episode page. Yeah, you can, absolutely. You can do that. And we always like to check that. And, yeah. And we love to hear there. from you. And we're so happy to be back yeah. semi-regularly. <laughs> More regular than we have been. Let's All right, see. fine. Okay, there we go. All right. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Bye.